0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend.
1: Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. My name is Jasmine Allnut, and of course, I'm here with Cheryl Broderson. I didn't know if I should do my last name or not. But just, I Cheryl, I, just make it more familiar. Yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> just your buddy, Cheryl. Here. Yes, your friend. <laughs> and we're in the middle of the fascinating story of Catherine Parr, as you may remember from our previous episode. So, Cheryl, like, let's pick up again where Catherine is at now at this stage of her life. Again, okay. we're in Tudor England right now. And we're in London, actually. And yes. she's twice widowed. Yes. Twice widowed,
0: but she's only in her early 30s. Gosh, and Crazy. She is beautiful. And now, something very interesting. At this point, so at this point, Henry has had uh, five wives at this point. So Henry he went has pretty had, quick. Right. <laughs> Catherine of Aragon, who he divorced. Yep. Then he had Anne Boleyn, mm-hmm. who he beheaded. Yes. Now, Anne Boleyn gave birth. So Catherine of Aragon gave birth to Mary Tudor. Mm-hmm. Anne Boleyn gave birth to Elizabeth, who would become Elizabeth I, the mm-hmm. Queen of England. Mm-hmm. And then his next wife, Jane Seymour, uh, died right after she gave birth to Edward, Mm -hmm. his son Edward. So then Cromwell, who had been a favorite of Henry, had arranged a marriage for Henry with uh, a German princess named Anne of Cleves. Mm -hmm. Well, when Henry saw Anne of Cleves, Thomas Cromwell fell out of favor. (laughs) So I guess Henry said she drank too much
1: and she smelled bad. Yikes! You know, so that marriage, he, I think, had it annulled. Yeah, they had it annulled. That's true. And remember, I love your story about how they would just meet together and play cards and smoke, and smoke <laughs> which is so funny. She's just yes. one of the guys. I guess they became <laughs> very good friends. He gave her that the palace in Richmond. Oh wow, which is nice.
0: Well, wow. now it's in ruins, but well, it, yeah. But I mean, it was that was supposed to be really nice, nice. Yeah, it's where Elizabeth later, Queen Elizabeth I, later decided to you Know headquartered or live uh, mm, the majority yeah. of her life How in. About that? So at this point, um, so with Catherine Howard, now the no, fifth, Catherine wife? Howard. Okay. Now, Catherine Howard. And that's, this is interesting too. Do you realize Henry will have three wives named Catherine? Oh, Catherine yes. Howard was only 17. Oh, boy. When, and he's, and he's in now. his 50s. Yeah. And he has ulcers up and down his legs Gross. gout. Ugh. Well, they think maybe he had diabetes, oh, but nobody, you know, that was why he had these ulcers. Yeah, um, who would know though back then? Mm-hmm. And so he was getting very, very cantankerous, but he was really proud of his 17 year old. Uh, bride Mm. and he decided to take her all over the country just showing her off that he had gotten this young, beautiful, voluptuous woman to fall in love with him. But he was not aware of her notorious reputation Mm. (laughs) that before she had married Henry, she had not been pure at all. Now, why Henry expected that of his wives when he was not faithful to even one of his wives, I don't know.
1: Just the mentality back then. It it could not be with a
0: a queen. So he had lavished her with jewels. And so the first thing he did was uh, take back the jewels when he found out about her past. Hmm. But he also found out about her present. (laughs) I mean, this is a 17-year-old girl. She is not being faithful. She was really naughty. Yes, she was. (laughs) She was bad. So she ended up being taken to the Tower of London and beheaded it. So Henry now has two other prospects. Gosh. For the queen. And he's showing interest. In fact, he was he was interested in them before Catherine Howard uh, drew his attention away by her youth and her beauty and her, her vivaciousness. So it looks like he's going to choose one of, of these. Now, religiously, the country of England is in a state of confusion. I think we talked mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. before. Catholics were out kind of. <laughs> Protestants were out sort of. And even Anglicans were not safe as Henry kept redefining what the beliefs and standards of the Church of England was to be. Right. So nobody is secure.
1: Nobody's yeah. safe right now. Henry's not like some spiritual figurehead who's looking at the scriptures. He's just— Not even. —doing his own thing. That's <laughs> right. And Thomas Cromwell, who had been the
0: king's spiritual advisor and who had worked hard to um, try to get the annulment for Henry from his first marriage to Catherine of Aragon— um. Had been in and out of favor. Remember, I told you about Anne of Cleves. Yep, that kind of got him out. Thing. However, before he fell out of favor, he had succeed, succeeded in getting a copy of Miles Coverdell's Bible, which is wow. closely related to Tyndale's Bible, in every church in England. That's now, huge. It's huge. And what's fascinating about that is when Tyndale was dying at the stake, you know, he had translated the whole Bible mm. into English. He cried out, Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. Mm -hmm. And you think just within 10 years of his death, there is a Bible which is almost word for word. Miles Coverdale was a student of Tyndale. There is this Bible in every single church in England required. Now, there is this man named Gardner. I told you a little bit about Mm -hmm. him. And he is so upset about the Bible— uh, being available to the common people, that it hmm. would be in every church so that a common person could even, you know, see it or read the scripture.
1: So he had been a Catholic bishop, I assume.
0: Um, he or... hadn't been a Catholic or oh, okay. a bishop. He oh. had been just a uh, advisor more to the oh, king. interesting. Okay. Um, but took this upon himself, really. And again, the country was really confused at this time about what religious affiliation was safe. And some people were only Um, searching for the safest option like what's safe you know (laughs) might get beheaded (laughs) yes well the will the catholic rebels get me if i go anglican will the king hang me for treason Mm -hmm. if i remain catholic yep and if i get protestant everybody hates me you know so this was kind of the the atmosphere but it was in this um atmosphere that catherine happened to be uh at the court of Mary Tudor. So she and Mary Tudor were friends, even from childhood, because remember Catherine Aragon and Catherine Parr's mother were very close. Right. So she was friends with Mary Tudor. So she began to um, be in Mary Tudor's court. And Henry happened to be visiting the court of Mary and he saw Catherine of Aragon. So Catherine Parr. uh, Catherine Parr, sorry. He Mm -hmm. saw Catherine Parr. Thank you. And not only that, but Catherine Parr... Uh, was being pursued by Thomas Seymour. Oh, yeah. Jane Seymour, Henry's third wife's wife's brother. Oh, boy. So they said there was a little bit of a rivalry going on with Henry and some of the younger men in the court. Thomas was single. He was in his late 30s. Catherine, I think, was 31, and and Thomas is like 37 at this Mm -hmm. time. And so Henry, some say went after Catherine just despite Thomas Seymour. Not surprising, who mm -hmm. knows, but... Right, because none of his other wives had been married before. And here you've got a a woman who's been married twice before. But Catherine Parr is also known for her virtue. Mm -hmm. She's got this virtue, and he's just come off after a woman who was notoriously naughty, you know, not not a... (laughs) Not virtuous. Not (laughs) virtuous at all. So... Henry could make himself look virtuous by like, oh, I'm marrying this poor young widow. I'm going to help her out. When Henry proposed to Catherine, she was taken back. Oh, I bet. It was not something she wanted. She was in love with Thomas Seymour. Um, and it was quite a dilemma yeah. because a refusal would jeopardize not only her life and the life of her family, but also her friends And the Reformed movement Mm. in England, which she felt herself more and more a part of. So she wrote to her brother William concerning the proposal. And let me read. Mm. Right, dear and well-beloved brother, we greet you well, letting you wit— That where it hath pleased the Almighty God of his goodness to incline the king's majesty in such wise toward me, as it hath pleased his highness to take me of all others most unworthy to his wife, which is, as of reason, it ought to be, the greatest joy and comfort that would happen to me in this world, to the intent you, being my natural brother, may rejoice with me in the goodness of God and of his majesty, as the person who by nature hath most cause of the same, I thought meet to give you this advertisement (laughs) and to require you to let me sometime hear of your health as friendly as you would have done if God and his majesty had not called me to this honor, which I assure you shall be much my comfort because everyone's worried about her. You know, accepting this proposal. Oh, yeah.
1: You know, it hadn't gone so well with his other five wives. And Henry's also probably pushing 60 at this point, right? I mean, he's a lot older. And still, ill ill health. Just kind of, yeah. And
0: so she writes um, Oh, she also wrote or confessed four years later and a year after Henry's passing that accepting Henry's proposal had been heart wrenching. Mm. And she wrote, For as truly as God is God, my mind was fully bent. The other uh, time I was at liberty to marry you before any man I knew, howbeit God withstood my will, therein most vehemently for a time, and through his grace and goodness made that possible which seemeth to me most impossible. That was, made me to renounce utterly mine own will and to hmm. follow his most willingly. It were too long to write all the process of this time— If I live, I shall declare it to you myself. I can say nothing but, as my lady of Suffolk saith, God is a marvelous man. Hmm. So Catherine prayed and prayed and struggled with God. She said it was just a struggle with God before accepting Henry's proposal. But she felt that the Lord was leading her to do so, so that she could influence the king for God Hmm. and for virtue. So Henry and Catherine were married at Hampton Court on July 12, 1543, in a very small ceremony. And she was the first queen to have been married two times previously Hmm. and the first queen to be declared Queen of England and Ireland. Oh, wow so immediately, Catherine began using her influence on the king to reinstate his daughters, Mary of Tudor and Elizabeth, back into his court Mm -hmm. and even to put them in his succession should anything happen to Edward. Catherine was a close friend of Mary's and took an avid interest in the education and nurturing of both Edward, the king's son, and Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. In fact, she was very close to all King Henry's children. Mm -hmm. And by being so close to them, uh, you know— Elizabeth's leanings were more um, Anglican mm-hmm. and definitely Protestant. Protestant. yeah. Elizabeth's leanings, as was Edwards. Mm, Edwards was sure. very much a very Protestant. Much, yeah. But Mary was a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she was a Catholic only because of her mother uh, being a Catholic. I'll read a little bit later in an, another letter that Edward wrote to Catherine that she was very secular. Mary was just out for Mary and wanted to get married. Yeah, she really did. (laughs) Desperately. And so at this point, though, um, one of Catherine's greatest gifts was that she was able to just um, bring
1: different factions together and Mm. to
0: broker peace.
1: Yeah, to be friends with all the kids. And they weren't necessarily friends with each other. No. So, yeah. Mm In 1544, Catherine
0: published her first book, it was a book of prayers and called Psalms and Prayers Taken Out of the Holy Scriptures. Um, when someone asked her what was her reason for writing, she said it was a simple zeal and earnest love of the truth. Hmm. Most of the book was actually a translation of a book by Bishop John Fisher. Now, this is interesting because John Fisher was um, an English bishop that Henry had um, had um, burned at the stake. Oh, And he had him burned at the stake because John Fisher had opposed Henry's divorce from Catherine of Aragon Mm. and his position as the head of the church 20 years earlier. But Catherine had found his book written in Latin of these prayers. Mm. And the prayers were all taken out of the um, Bible. Wow! And so she loved the prayer. So she translated it from Latin into English. Oh, cool. But she added her own prayer, a prayer for the King of England. Hmm. And this prayer was um, so well written, and Henry loved it so much that it went into the Book of Common Prayer in 1559 and is still there. And this prayer is still prayed over Queen Elizabeth II. Today. Oh, how cool. Isn't that so what, cool? What, almost 500 years later? hmm Wow. So she presented a copy of her book to Henry when he left in 1544 to fight a war with France. And then Catherine also distributed gift copies to all the members of the king's court. Now— the rest of England was not happy about the war with France. Uh, taxes were high already, and then they were even increased. Oh, yeah. And oh. everything was levied to provide funds to support the war in France. I mean, even food uh, oh, subsidies. Expensive. Right. Yeah. And England was like a tinderbox uh, with a man named Gardner hunting down all the heretics, or those he felt were what he called too enthusiastic about the scripture. <laughs> um, and— um, and anyone that he thought did not accept the supremacy of the king. And again, the country was divided by Papists, Lutherans, and Anglicans, and what were considered evangelical radicals. Hmm. So Cromwell and Gardner were always at odds, neither trusted the other. But again, as I mentioned, Cromwell was able to get a Bible into every Church in England, 1539, and Gardner spent the rest of his life trying to get every Bible out of the churches of England. (laughs) Too late. Mm -hmm. And also Gardner was one of those who— spired successfully to get Cromwell executed, Mm. which is something that King Henry regretted sanctioning and said haunted him till the end of his life. Right, I remember that. Catherine was named Henry's vice regent while he was at war, and she adeptly handled all correspondence, kept tabs on the activity in the north of England between the Catholic rebels, Protestants, and Loyalists. She handled war provisions and faithfully sent Henry accounts of the state of England. Mm. At one point, Catherine received news of a French envoy sailing to the coast of Scotland and to the soldiers that would make their way down into England. And she was able to have the French ship intercepted. And it was noted by many historians that Elizabeth was the first to impress the court by her bearing brilliance and strength of character, as well as being a brilliant stepmother to her children and holding strong religious convictions. Mm. While Henry was at uh, war, Catherine worked on her second book, Prayers and Meditations. Wow. Like the first, this book was a translation in part of Thomas Kempis' Imitation of Christ. But Catherine added to it. And then she asked, this is so wise, she asked Mary of Tudor and Catholic bishops— and Anglican bishops, all to help her in the translation.
1: Smart. And then
0: she pulled it all together. Now, Mary never was able to complete her section, which was on the Gospel of John, because she took sick. Um, truth is, she wasn't that interested in mm-hmm. doing it. After it was finished, Elizabeth translated the work into Latin, Italian, and French, and um, made an embroidery embroidered cover to give it to her father for christmas and a digitized copy is still available of this very volume that elizabeth gave henry wow. at the british library today Ooh. there are pictures of it i don't think you can touch it it's in a different oh, place oh yeah i'm but sure you can I'm see sure. it i mean it's still oh, there that's so neat so this book was an attempt to help those who are reading the bible in order to help them understand the Bible. Because the assertion had been made by the Catholic bishops that the Bible was too holy and too dangerous (laughs) a book, too divine, to put in the hands of commoners and yeah. the commoner might profane the bible by misinterpretation of key text.
1: Oh man. So yeah. this
0: book not only highlighted the suffering of Christ but sought to present the overall doctrines of the bible and help people to understand the key passages.
1: No, I love that because that's that's actually something that was very commonly believed uh, was that I, one one bishop said it's uh, if you give the gospel to the commoners or the bible to the commoners it's like pearls before swine. That's exactly it's it. Like, ooh, yes. Yuck. yes. That's how they viewed common mm-hmm. people.
0: So Elizabeth also translated, and this one you'll like, uh, Margaret Navarre's book, yeah. Mirror of the Sinful Soul, into Ooh. English and gave Henry um, a copy of her translation as a gift. Mm. Uh, Henry and Catherine. So Elizabeth, the daughter. Oh, Elizabeth did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Sorry. I think I said Catherine. Mm. It was Elizabeth, Henry's daughter. Yeah. So she's falling under the influence of Catherine Parr. And some say this is why Elizabeth took such a centrist uh, place she watched Catherine, mm. and she learned from Catherine's skill when Catherine handled was the vice regent. Mm-hmm. She learned from Catherine's skill and her diplomacy, yes, how to be diplomatic, and she would always credit Catherine Parr mm. with um, her skill as a queen. Oh, neat! Mm-hmm. Catherine's virtue and faithfulness to King Henry won her the popularity of the public. Sympathies. The queen continued to bring more and more evangelicals in Henry's court. The more popular <laughs> she got, the more she she did. But this roused the suspicions and anger of Gardiner. Oh, in yeah. fact, one of her closest friends, who was an outright Protestant, who was in the court, I can't remember her name. She was a lady, uh, you know, like a lady in waiting. Yeah, or? okay. Uh, but she she had a, a little dog that she named Gardner. <laughs> 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 so. Um, Catherine was popular with Henry, too, having reunited him with his daughters and giving him the family he never had. Mm. Gardner tried again and again to bring charges against Catherine for heresy. Um, Later, when we do Anne Anne Askew, Mm. you'll see that he tried to associate the two with them because Anne was uh, burned at the stake. Um, He tried to implicate Catherine as a friend. But they did have mutual friends. Mm. And Catherine had to be so— careful. And one of the issues that Gardner would bring up was, what do you believe about communion? Is it really the body of Christ? And if he didn't believe it was really the body of Christ, it was heresy and it was grounds for uh, being burned at the stake and arrest. So Catherine never came down on that issue. She was more interested in talking about salvation by grace Mm. and about the importance of the holy scriptures. So after returning from the war without a substantial victory, Henry was in a bad mood. Oh, dear. And he was just grumpy. Plus, he was in quite a bit of pain from the ulcerations on his legs. Catherine sought to exude her influence on Henry to think about spiritual matters. Gardiner seized on this and accused her of arguing with the king and even convinced the king that Catherine was rebellious and picking fights with him when she talked about religious things. Mm. Henry listened in part to Gardiner because he had his eye and was having a relationship with another woman, the Duchess of, of she Suffolk. Was. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. So an arrest warrant was written up against Catherine. And when she heard about the warrant, she went straight to Henry's quarters and apologized. I mean, she was diplomatic, right? Smart. And she told the king the only reason that she talked straightly to him about religious matters was because, one, she was concerned for his soul. And, two, she wanted to take his attention off his painful sores with lively conversation. Oh, wow. Henry was appeased. And uh, the next day, a guard came with a warrant um, against Catherine, but saw her
1: walking arm in arm with the king and found out then that it had been rescinded. Oh, I love it! Isn't there like a line where he says, "Like, come, Kate, we are friends again," or something yes. like that? Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, wow! So Henry, realizing that he was dying, because
0: finally, oh, okay. it, you know, he became so ill and was uh, had to be taken to his bed, made provision for Catherine. He provided her with a stipend of seven thousand pounds a year—quite a uh, quite a bit more than uh, the thirty pounds she got from Latimer. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. He also insisted that she be considered. Um, the queen dowager after his death, and always um, received the honors of being a queen. Is a dowager like widow, or I think something like yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But yeah. It, it it just means that it's like you're still a queen. Sure, you keep the title queen. Okay. Henry died January twenty eighth of fifteen forty seven. Now the whole time that Catherine was queen, she had carried on a correspondence with Edward, the king's son. And she insisted that he write her in Latin only Hmm. because she felt he needed to improve his language skills. But in one of the letters that Edward wrote to Catherine, he cautioned her about his stepsister, Mary. Hmm. And this is what he wrote. The only real love is the love of God Preserve, therefore, I pray you, my dear sister Mary, from all the wiles and enchantments of the evil one, and beseech her to attend no longer the foreign dances and merriments which do not become a Christian princess. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Mary Tudor was not at that point inclined to be Bloody Mary. That's the influence she felt under when she married the, the Spanish— uh, Oh, Philip, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Who was strongly Catholic. Who was strongly
0: yeah. Catholic. And you know, wanted to bring England back to the church, delivered it to the pope. Mm. So after Edward the Sixth coronation, Catherine retired from the royal court. She moved um, her home to the old manor in Chelsea, where she finished her last book, Lamentations of a Sinner. Mm. This book was partially autobiographical, um, and it did rely quite a bit on Margaret Navarre's Mirror of the Sinful I was going to say that sounds like a similar theme. <laughs> there really was. There's a lot of um, overlap. Mm. But they said that Catherine's book was more personal and more original, um, mm. this one, than her two former books. And the book begins with this personal confession. When I consider in the bethinking of mine mm. evil and wretched former life, mine obstinate, stony, and untraceable heart—untractable heart, sorry— to have so much exceeded in evilness that hath not only neglected, yea, contemned, and despised God's holy precepts and commandments, but also embraced, received, and esteemed vain, foolish, and feigned trifles. I am Partly by the hate I owe to sin, who hath reigned in me, partly by the love I owe to all Christians, whom I am content to edify even with the example of mine own shame. Forced and constrained with my heart and words to confess and declare to the world how ingrate, negligent, unkind, and stubborn I have been to God my Creator, and Mm -hmm. how beneficial, merciful, and gentle He hath always been to me, His creature, being such a miserable and wretched sinner. In the book, she talks about how she adhered to superstition before she met Christ and Mm. had little regard for God's word. Mm. She walked, as she says, with the multitude. Some think this was a reference to not standing up and being counted with the many martyrs. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And she said this, I never had this unspeakable and most high charity and abundant love of God printed and fixed in my heart duly till it pleased God. Of his mere grace, mercy, and pity to open my eyes, making me to see and behold with the eye of the lively faith Christ crucified to be mine only Savior, Redeemer, so that of my faith whereby I came to know God and thereby it pleased God even because I trusted in him to justify me. I think no less, but many will marvel and wonder at this my saying, that I never knew Christ for my Savior and Redeemer until this time." Hmm. In her book, Catherine drew a sharp distinction between having faith in your head and having faith in your heart. She called on readers to look at the fruit and action of someone's life and compare those actions and that fruit to the life of Christ in order to check the sincerity of someone who claimed to know Christ.
1: Wow. Catherine solid. was
0: still relatively young. She was in her 30s. And Thomas Seymour, King Edward's uncle, was still very much in love with her. Mm. After she left court, Thomas began to pursue her affections again. Catherine had always wanted to be a mother and have children. So it's easy to see why she was taken up with Thomas. But here's the problem Henry had only been deceased for four months. And Catherine knew that the court would not sanction her marriage to Thomas Seymour, so Catherine and Thomas were married in secret sometime mm-hmm. in May. Several months later, um, Edward the Sixth found out about the marriage and was not happy. In fact, it um, it really was a blow to Mary Tudor and to Edward. In fact, they cut off relationships that wow. their relationship with Catherine. At it just that felt like time. it was too soon. Like mm-hmm. you should have been more. Oh, mm-hmm. wow! And it became a public scandal. Oh. Thomas wrote to Mary Tudor, who had been a close friend of Catherine's, um, to intercede with a couple um, with King Edward. But Mary was enraged and even told her half-sister Elizabeth to cut off all ties with Catherine. Wow. Now, there was a reason Elizabeth did not cut off ties. Thomas Seymour was two-timing Catherine, and nice. he was also with Elizabeth Oh, at the right. Same There's a little—yeah, I tie. remember that. There's a shady story there. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So— Then Thomas's brother's wife, Anne Seymour, the Duchess of Somerset, when she found out about the marriage, she became jealous of Catherine and demanded that Catherine give her all her jewels, saying that because she remarried, she forfeited her title and prestige as the Dowager King and also, therefore, the jewelry. And Anne insisted that because her husband was the protector of England, she alone should be entitled to wear the jewels, like not even thinking they should (laughs) maybe go to Elizabeth or Mary. No, no. To her sister-in-law. I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) In the end, Catherine gave the jewels to her scheming sister-in-law to broker peace.
1: Oh, man.
0: Catherine owed many religious books, and she loved to read them all. She gave books as gifts and would sign uh, dedication and a name in each book.
1: Hmm.
0: At the age of 35, Catherine became pregnant with her first child, and she was overjoyed. At the same time, she found out about the affair that Thomas was having with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was sent— Away. Elizabeth was pretty
1: young, right? So it's kinda like taking advantage of a younger girl teenage. Early twenties. Oh, she was that old. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought she was a teenager. But Elizabeth
0: was in a way, but she Elizabeth wrote a letter of remorse and apology to Catherine, which is pretty sweet. She didn't want to lose that friendship. I think Catherine was the only woman who was like a mother to her. Yeah. So in 1548, Catherine, accompanied by Lady Jane Grey, moved to Sudley Castle in Gloucester. And you can see that one, too. It's mm-hmm. still there. Fun. There, Catherine gave birth to a little girl whom she named Mary after Mary Tudor. Wow. Uh, a few weeks later, Catherine died from childbed fever, a disease commonly associated with the unsanitary conditions of childbirth at time. It's a type of septus. Mm. Catherine's funeral was the first Protestant funeral held in English. Wow. And she was buried at St. Mary's Chapel on the grounds of Sudley Castle. Interestingly enough, her tomb was discovered her um, actually in the 1800s, but it was uh, violated and the jewels were stolen from it. So oh, gosh, it, it's crazy. But less than a year after her death, Thomas Seymour was beheaded for treason. And his daughter, Mary, was taken to live with the Duchess of Suffolk, who had been a close friend of Catherine's. Catherine's jewels were confiscated and taken to the Tower of London, where they can be seen Mm. now as part of the Queen's jewels. And all her jewelry was um, seized. Hmm. Um, Oh, sorry. All her property was seized. However, by an act of parliament, Catherine's assets were all restored to her daughter, Mary, in fifteen. 50. Wow. And nobody really knows what became of um, the daughter, Mary, Mary Seymour. Some say she died. Others say that um, she married but wanted to live in obscurity because. I, of— why well, I would. Are the you whole kidding? thing with her oh, mother. What a mess. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that she married and have five children. But we're not sure. But, you know, you can see that Catherine Parr, by choosing the will of the Lord above her own will, really saved um, so many people in england and allowed oh, yeah. the common people to have the bible and really exerted a strong influence over edward and then elizabeth so mary very Tudor, important who was also called bloody mary her influence was short-lived mm-hmm. you know she wasn't queen that long but elizabeth reigned for what was it oh 40 50 until victoria she was the longest reigning mm-hmm. regent I right believe. yeah so 40 something years yeah so it's amazing and elizabeth had a a, a tolerance uh uh, mm-hmm. You know, diplomacy. Diplomacy, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so really interesting. So
1: that's why Catherine pyre is a woman. Absolutely, who was like an Esther kind mm-hmm. of for t- such a time as this. In fact, she to- was
0: compared a lot to
1: Esther. Oh, interesting. Now, a yeah. lot of
0: Christians have compared her to Esther and a lot of people even in her time mm-hmm. compared her to Esther. So Wonderful. we've got uh, – We've got I know at least one more tutor. Oh yeah. It was interesting. I found a lot of friends and I was like, Do I go with her friends and research <laughs> these godly women? Like even the forever. Dutch Duchess of Suffolk. Oh right. And some of these other godly women that uh another uh I can't remember some of the other women um, that
1: she surrendered. Her sister, Anne Pembroke, mm. uh, was a very devout Christian, too. Wow. So cool. Mm-hmm. I love it. These little behind-the-scenes gals. So, yeah. But we definitely have a couple more to do. You're going to talk about Anne Askew. And I'm going to talk about somebody else that Cheryl mentioned, Lady Jane Grey. Well, yes. So, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there's got... more to come, folks. Yes. And they're all
0: really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I find these women fascinating. That's Absolutely. why you spend so much time on them. like... <gasps>
1: Yes. And I
0: left out so much about Catherine Parr.
1: I bet you did. Oh, my yes. goodness. And you There's... know me.
0: I could have gone into all the details. I had to stop. It There's was like, Nothing strop, is strop, stop, intriguing stop. as intriguing as Tudor yes.
1: England. <laughs> yes.
0: So we want to thank you again for joining us on this, on this edition of Women Worth Knowing. And again, if you have a story, please write to us because mm-hmm. we'd love to highlight some of your stories at the beginning of every podcast. Or maybe it would even make a full
1: podcast. Sure. Sometimes we could probably do that, too. Yeah. yeah. So write us at? wwk at cccm.com that's right and so this is cheryl broderson and jasmine allnut until next week see you then bye
0: (laughs) thank you for listening to women worth knowing with cheryl broderson and jasmine allnut for more information on cheryl visit cherylbroderson.com or follow her on instagram or facebook you can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed, and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.